This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, part two of a two-part series on digital consciousness, Jim Elvidge explores the possibility we're living in a computer simulation. We have these clunky devices that we use now, like VR goggles and haptic gloves and things like that. And it's obvious that we're in a simulation because we feel them. They're heavy or whatever. But imagine that instead, you you know, you were snorting up a few nanobots that were intercepting your visual cortex and your auditory cortex or whatever and connecting to some network there that's streaming a a fantasy into your brain. Now you're going to have no idea that it's going on, especially if your memories have been suspended. This podcast is supported by Paranormal Contractors. If you suspect you have paranormal activity in your home, check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Jim Elvidge, the author of Digital Consciousness, is standing by for part two of our two-part series. And because it's Friday, I'll speak with Christian D. Cadure from Paranormal Contractors. And speaking of Paranormal Contractors, I received this email earlier in the week, but I've been holding on to it until today. Randall writes, Hi Richard, love the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, especially the episodes on Bon Scott. I also thoroughly enjoy listening to Conspiracy Unlimited on my iPhone 6 while I'm walking my dog Fritz. He's a giant schnauzer. I wanted to quickly tell you that I've been enjoying the Friday segment with the guy from Paranormal Contractors. The last time he was on, he talked about pets behaving oddly when there are spirits about. I live with my uncle in the house he was born in 80 years ago. The house is probably about 150 years old, mostly stone. There is one room up on the second floor that I've converted into a music room. 
Fritz mostly avoids the room. However, on the rare occasion he ventures in, he'll often end up walking slowly in circles and then sticking his head into one corner of the room and growling. My uncle tells me stories of seeing shadowy figures at the foot of his bed as a kid. So, your guy is spot on. Thanks for all your shows, Randall in Mobile, Alabama. Thanks, Randall. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email and tell me who you are, where you are, and how and why you listen. richardserrett one at gmail.com. Okay, let's dive back into my conversation with Jim Elvidge. I saw a headline. I didn't read the whole article, but the headline was something to the effect that now scientists are not confident at all that the, the, the multiverse theory is, is real. This idea that there could be a, a million or limitless iterations mm-hmm. of me uh, and, and, and in another iteration, you know, I can play the piano. Uh, what do you think of that? I mean, they seem to be backpedaling on the idea of the multiverse now. I hope so. <laughs> I, to me, it was it was always kind of a ludicrous theory. You know, there's there's a lot of different multiverses. Again, this is one of those loaded words. But the one I believe you're referring to is the many worlds theory of quantum mechanics, which yes. was developed by Hugh Everett um, as a different explanation for the anomalies that. Um, you know that, that Niels Bohr and the Copenhagen interpretation pe- people were experiencing, and and so you know Everett said, well, every time some quantum mechanical decision is made, both both decisions are actually made, and the universe splits off. So that Schrodinger's cat thing, you know, right. the cat does die in one universe, and it does live in the other. Um, people have used that to explain the the you know very finely tuned nature of the universe like everything seems to be perfectly tuned for the existence of matter and perfectly tuned for life and those kinds of things so what they're saying is well there's zillions and zillions of um parallel realities out there and we just happen to be in the one that you know all the uh, parameters line up perfectly in um because that's the only one we could be in so it it was a kind of a convenient you know, combination of what was called the anthropic principle and this multiverse idea was a convenient explanation for the, you know, finely tuned nature of the universe. But there's another explanation is that the universe tuned it itself. And that's the one that I favor. And it doesn't require a multiverse. Now, another way to look at the multiverse idea is to say, we're following some sort of simulation. And again, that word is also a loaded word because it implies that it's not real in some sense. Um, but we're following a path of uh, experience, let's say that. And could we follow a different path of experience? Well, uh, according to some, you know, Tom Campbell's one who says, yeah, it's, it's possible that our consciousness could actually follow a different path. It could uh, say, well, you know, I want to try a couple of different things here and see if either of these work out and then decide you know, whether to do this or to do that. And the whole nature of, you know, a a digital sort of programmatic construct of consciousness allows that to happen. So it is possible that we could sample different kinds of um, experiences. And some people have done that, you know, they have actually felt like, well, you know, I I went down a different path at one point and then kind of came back to this. 
Uh, it also explains that Mandela effect that people are talking about these days. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the funny examples you talk about, you know, what happened to Molly's braces in Moonraker. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and for those who, who don't remember in the, in the movie, uh, Jaws, which I believe was played by the, the actor, the late Richard Keel. Richard Keel. Yeah. And of course he had these, he was the villain and he had these metal teeth and there's a scene where Molly, this beautiful Bond girl, she smiles at Jaws. And many of us remember him kind of looking back at her. And there's this odd connection there. And it's because he has metal teeth and, and, and she's wearing braces. And Absolutely, so they, yeah. they connect on that level. But then people go back and say, no, I've got a VHS copy right here. And I plugged it into the VCR and I looked, there is no, there, she's not wearing braces. Uh, and this is this idea of mass amounts of people misremembering things is called the Mandela effect, which is named after uh, Nelson Mandela because many people remember him dying years earlier and being, you know, and a funeral being held. Uh, so, yeah, how does the how does the how does digital consciousness explain the Mandela effect? Oh, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's a great one. I mean. The, 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 the thing that, that baffles me about that particular example is that the whole point of the scene, you know, those Bond movies, especially during the uh, Roger Moore days, they were very campy and silly and they had kind of funny little vignettes in them. And that was one case. It was like, oh, you got these two people. One guy is seven six and then there's this little you know diminutive woman they look completely opposite but they immediately fall in love because they have something in common what's that thing it's they have a mouthful of metal and the music swells and they you know walk off hand in hand and they fall in love and it's like the whole scene doesn't make any sense anymore it it doesn't make any sense at all that you know that she wouldn't have braces so to me the fact that that scene is in the movie is evidence that she used to have braces. And I certainly remember it that way. And so does pretty much everybody else that, that I've met. Um, yeah. So what, what explains that, um, uh, you know, again, you, you have to accept that our reality is kind of soft. So if it's soft, that means that almost anything can happen. So there are a couple of possibilities. One could be that, all of the artifacts were rewritten at some point. So artifacts of reality, meaning our memories, the VHS tape, the DVDs, the, the internet pages. Although there's a BBC page that refers to that scene and says, you know, the girl with the braces, you know, so, the, so whatever cleaned up all these artifacts and changed them all missed a couple, hmm. which, which is funnier even to me. It's almost like, Hey, we're going to throw you guys for a loop and get you thinking about things. You know, it's like the reality is messing with us a little bit. Um, but anyway, that's that's one way that it could could very easily explain. We are following sort of simulation types of patterns and all those artifacts can be rewritten. In fact, it's the same argument that can explain that delayed choice quantum eraser or anything that's sort of retro causal. It can be rewritten after the fact. You'd never know the difference because you're. You know, in in the in this case of the Mandela effect, in the in the Dolly one, our memories weren't necessarily re, rewritten, but all the other artifacts in reality were. 
Yeah, I said Molly. It was Dolly. Um, it's it's like the who was the character in 1984 um, in that Ampleforth, and it was mm-hmm. his, his that was his job, right? Was to go back and rewrite yeah, all of history. Yeah, that's right. Yes, and and yep. then that happens, and that happens in the, you know the former Soviet Union and and other places. So sure does. Yeah. But, but it sounds like there's someone behind all of this then. I mean, who would do that and why? Yeah, so that was one of my, you know, when I wrote the first book, I was kind of agnostic about that and kind of leaving it open to the possibility that our reality, we could be living in a simulation. We could be living in that um, Nick Bostrom type of post-human simulation where we create a simulation for ourselves uh, in the future. And we're uh, living in one of those now. So, so, So that you know, that was sort of a possibility. But I think the more you look at different categories of evidence, the more you realize that doesn't really fit real well. So what is it then? Um, okay, you could say that the, the super consciousness, aka God, did this uh, f- to mess with us for some reason, we really don't know why it could do that. Or you could you could look at it like the the system. All that there is is like this big self organizing thing, also known as God, perhaps uh, to to some. But it's 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 a little bit um, agnostic to what what's going on. So it's driven by a process of continually trying to learn or trying to improve. So maybe the Mandela effect or the examples of it are an experiment to see if we can learn more about reality or we can evolve our consciousness faster by thinking about reality differently. Maybe we're meant to think that it's soft now, but we were meant to think that it was hard before. I don't know. I'm totally speculating at this point, but you know, there's a, there's there's definitely a framework that could explain that. and, And that's, that's what digital consciousness is. Maybe it's who's ever behind the Berenstein Bears. Right, so, so, yeah, same, same, same people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, here's another one, Richard. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you remember. Um, well, I'm sure you remember seeing the Zapruder film, uh, the JFK assassination. Of course, yes. H- how many, how many rows of seats were in that limo? Oh yes, I've heard this one. Well, th- there were three. Okay, and you know, I remember two. I thought I remembered that in right. everything I ever saw. Until recently, when I started, you know, looking into it, and there was a middle row. I, I thought that there were only four people in that car, but there weren't. Well, yeah, you forgot about Governor Connolly and his wife. See, somehow I thought Connolly was in the front seat with the driver. I didn't ah. realize she was there, and I thought it was just JFK and Jackie in the back. So, right, yeah, right. I, that one could have been faulty memory. I don't know. Do you remember it differently, or no? I don't. But I only remembered from the Zapruder film because I'm. I wasn't. You know, uh, I wasn't. I was born after the assassination, so I don't, mm-hmm. uh, I only can pin my memory to that, to the Zapruder film. Um, the, 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 the Mandela one, I think I know what happened. I think that's another case of misremembering. Of course, I there was that, is, yeah. I think it, it was the political prisoner, um, Biko. Was it Peter mm-hmm. Biko? Uh, who was, who was uh, killed in prison. And uh, this was, um, oh, probably 20 years before, or maybe 15 years before Mandela uh, was released from prison. And his funeral, um, 
in South Africa was a was a huge deal. So I'm wondering if people perhaps are remembering uh, his funeral and not Mandela's. But then there are others that have me scratching my head. Um, you know, I, I seem to remember Oscar Meyer, Meyer spelled M-E-Y-E-R, not Oscar Meyer, M-A-Y-E-R. Yeah, uh, I, I do too. Yep. And uh, J.C. Penny uh, with uh, uh, P-E-N-N-Y, not P-E. N N E Y. No, I, uh, I remember E Y. So <laughs> there you go. You see, so uh, it's a little. Yeah, some of those are inconsistent, but some of them are pretty strong, which is also maybe part of the anomaly. Um, one thing about memory, though, memory is absolutely faulty. You oh, know, this yes. has been proven in lots of experiments. And and the interesting thing is that when you recall something, you're not recalling the original thing. What you're recalling is the. Th- the last time that you recalled it you know what i mean interesting interesting so, so yeah so so there's no like hard-coded original or necessarily there might it might be somewhere in your consciousness or somewhere in the akashic record or whatever we want to call it um there there could be the original thing there but the thing that you your mind has more recent access to is the thing that you pull out so if over time it changes because somebody convinced you something was different or you saw a TV show that portrayed it differently or, you know, some scene in a movie is in your mind or something like that, then you start really remembering and start reinforcing that false memory. And this does happen to people. All right, let's get Christian D. Kajuran here from Paranormal Contractors. Hey, Christian, how are you? Hey, Richard, I'm doing well. One of the investigations that really first gained you a great deal of notoriety in Toronto was a, a story that was featured on the uh, in the Toronto Sun newspaper. It got some television coverage. This was a, a rather frightening investigation. Tell me about it. It certainly was a frightening investigation. It actually became uh, physical contact was made in an assault by an invisible assailant was made. Our equipment began to levitate. The history surrounding the file uh, was uh, an individual had passed in their home and had been decomposing for approximately six months. The individual was extremely involved in the occult as well as uh, satanic rituals. We only determined that based on, uh, while we were working there, based on the contents that we saw, the deceased uh, was found in, in, in the kitchen area. And while we were in the kitchen area, I was actually working there with uh, my father at the time in that room. And uh, we were uh, decontaminating the environment. And as uh, we put our gloves on the counter, because we were uh, working in, in, this, in the heat in the middle of summer, wearing a full bio suit uh, and a respirator mask, as well as gloves, it can be, uh, you can only work about 20, 30 minutes and then you'll pass out from heat exhaustion. But we put some of our protective equipment, our personal protective equipment on the counter And as we were beginning to walk out the door in order to go out for a water break, I turned around and lo and behold, our gloves and our masks began to levitate right above the counter. I would say approximately 15 to 20 centimeters. I actually turned to my dad. I said, dad. And he said, what? I said, come over here. So he uh, he walked in and uh, we were both looking at it. And this could not be air. I mean, air cannot pick up a mask, a silicone uh, respirator mask uh, with cartridges and uh, watch them levitate 15, 20 centimeters off counter. And then it came down slowly, not a big thud, nothing like that. It just came down slowly and landed back where it lifted up from. 
that was the first indication that something real weird was happening uh, in this particular home. Now, we had an employee working on the very top floor, and it was a room where we felt that there was, uh, we, we just got uh, you know, bad vibes in the room where you'd walk in and, and literally for no reason, the hair on the back of your neck uh, would stand up. So um, uh, this particular individual, now nobody knew about the items that I found that were related to satanic rituals and uh, uh, occult practices and, and whatnot. And this person was working in the room by themselves and was pushed by an invisible assailant right against the wall. I was downstairs. All you heard was this individual scream, run down three flights of stairs and said, I quit. And the person just kept running out the front door, ripped off all their protective equipment, jumped in their car and drove off. Wow. You must have a hard time keeping employees. It's certainly not the easiest. And I uh, try to make it abundantly clear to everybody that when you come to work for me, there are a lot of things that you need to take into consideration. And we are constantly and continuously being surrounded by uh, traumatic energy. However, where we come in and what separates us from everybody else is the fact that we get rid of the problem. We perform paranormal remediation. Christian, if people have unwanted paranormal activity, how do they get a hold of paranormal contractors? You can reach us at 1-866-724-0800. Again, that's 1-866-724-0800. Christian, be safe. Thank you again. Thank you, Richard, my friend. I appreciate it. And as always, uh, it was a pleasure. Christian Dicadieu, The Real John Constantine. Paranormal Contractors is a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Jim Elvidge, the author of Digital Consciousness, is here. I wanted to ask you about, we, we talked about the multiverse, but I wanted to ask you about hyperdimensions and whether hyperdimensions still exist within your digital consciousness paradigm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, this is one of those words that can mean so many different things to different people. So if you talk to like a mathematical person, a topology person, they think of, you know, dimensions in the mathematical sense. We, we, we can do math in 10 dimensions and, and 
nine dimensions or whatever it is, we just can't visualize it. Um, so there's that. There's the idea that, and this, this spills over a little into the multiverse idea too, that there's a exact replica of you. If you believe that that the universe, or again, in our perceived reality, that the universe is infinite, more or less, then there has to be an identical collection of atoms to yours at some point far enough away. Uh, Max Tegmark has actually calculated how far away your doppelganger is and how far away the doppelganger Earth might be and things like that. So those could be thought of as different dimensions. They're like different bubbles of uh, of perception that we can never access, but they're out there somewhere. Um, then there's that Hilbert space, uh, you know, level of dimensions with the Everett interpretation of quantum mechanics. Um, and then there's, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, a computational idea of dimensions. So a dimension is just really another attribute that you can play with that mathematically is orthogonal to the other ones. So, for example, let's say you're playing, a, go back to a video game analogy, you, and they used to have servers like this. I don't know if they are anymore, but they would have a server that would support a couple thousand players. So when you log in, you always logged into the same server, knew your account, always put you in the same place with the same people. Um, so you're playing with somebody in Ohio and somebody in Alberta or wherever um, each time. And yet there's a parallel server going on somewhere too, running the same fantasy world with a different set of characters. So that's a different dimension. However, however many servers there are, that's how many not how many dimensions, but there's a dimension of size, say, 10, um, you know, that, that is defined by the number of servers there are. In computer science, threads through a, a computer system that, that are running in parallel can be thought of as dimensions. So hyperdimensions absolutely can exist in this paradigm, and especially in the idea of the threads, you know, the idea that you could maybe follow a path follow a different path at a different time um, or maybe you're doing a couple of those paths simultaneously seems to me to all be possible so for example my consciousness if if it's really this set of organized data out there as part of the whole if for some reason it wants to run a virtual reality in our reality learning lab that we call you know earth and the universe it could do that but it could run another one, you know, as somebody else, as some other avatar on a different planet at the same time or on this planet at the same time. Our consciousness could theoretically be controlling two different things and we don't have any way of knowing, except that sometimes people experience these bleed through things where they they feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm connected to somebody else. Or deja um, vu, feelings of deja vu. Feelings of deja vu or feelings of like. Uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, telepathy or, you know, some of these paranormal experiences that people have could be the fact that outside of the, you know, virtual reality that we think is physical outside of that, we are connected in some way to uh, another conscious entity and or maybe it's even part of the same piece of one. So digital consciousness could ultimately explain all paranormal activity. Easily, easily. And one of the things that is new in this book is I, I create a model. 
Uh, and I, when I say model, it's just a visual way of thinking about these things. You know, it shows clouds and 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 uh, arrows and dotted lines and things like that that mean various things. And with that model, I can explain UFO sightings and uh, telepathy and precognition and uh, you know anomalies about um, you know things that just plain don't make sense in our reality. Uh, it helps explain the the you know what what god is helps explain reincarnation helps explain all of those kind of things so the model is i think a useful tool to make this a little bit more understandable we have a few minutes can we apply that model and 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 solve the ufo riddle right here on this podcast once and for all yeah absolutely (laughs) um and uh by the way i've i've seen them so this uh I had a very interesting experience um, uh, out in the desert, completely sober, uh, a few years ago, and I was with about 50 other people, and we all saw them. And it was uh, it was something that I, to this day, I still can't figure out. You know, I still search for, you know, more grounded answers than uh, you know than it was just some anomaly, but the digital consciousness theory has a, a very easy explanation for it. So imagine, you know, again, our physical reality, what we call our waking reality is really virtual and it has a bunch of artifacts in it. So it has models of trees and, and lamps and desks and all the things that we interact with. And, um, those are subject to, you know, because of the nature of the system, they've decided that it's subject to laws of certain laws of physics, and they follow these laws of physics. And it helps make us feel grounded, and it helps make us believe in this stuff. Like when we dream, I know I'm going off on a little tangent here, but I, I will get back to it. When we dream, we don't believe in the dream. We believe that was a fantasy of our mind because. Uh, nobody else experienced it. There's no consensus to the dream. Right. You know, Plus, just, I can fly. I can fly. Yeah, and we can do things that, that don't meet our normal rules of engagement, our no, normal yes. rules of physics. Or Morgan Fairchild came on to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, any, any of those kinds of things. So, um, but all, all it takes, like if, if you were in your reality and that same kind of thing was happening, I'm standing in a street corner and I see a blue car go by and I say, oh, look at that blue car. And the person sitting next to me says, no, what are you, idiot? That's red. Or there was no car. That was a bike. All of a sudden, I wouldn't trust reality either. So we have to, we have, to have some um, grounded rules that allow us to believe in this reality Otherwise, we wouldn't trust it, we wouldn't act accordingly, and we wouldn't learn the things that we're supposed to learn. I mean, this is the ultimate point, is that we're supposed to learn and evolve our, our souls or our consciousness. We wouldn't do that if we thought we were all living in a fantasy world. So there's some grounded stuff to it. But that doesn't mean that there can't be things that that behave outside of those rules in the reality, like UFOs. UFO is very easy to program into a virtual reality. I could do it. I could write some code that would do it very easily. Um, So the system that has created our virtual reality could also easily create that. What's behind it? Could be nothing behind it. What what I saw was glowing orbs um, of different colors, and they they weren't Chinese lanterns. They they weren't drones. Um, It was very clear by their their motion that that it wasn't anything that I've seen any conventional explanation for, um, but it didn't have to be 
an alien behind it, you know. So, but the, the and and so then what might explain you know abductions and things like that? It's the same thing. These these entities are virtual, just like we're virtual, and they are playing some role in our lives or in some people's lives. I don't have the answer for that, like what what that role is, but the model certainly allows it to happen. Uh, so there are things in our virtual world that are not following the rules of physics and even not necessarily um, allowing us to have a consensus experience of it. So I could see something and the person standing next to me couldn't, you know, might not see it. And you could imagine in a video game how that's easily done. Well, this person has uh, 50 spirit uh, spiritual points, and this person only has 45. So, but the way the program works is, when you have 50 or more, you can experience certain things. You see what I mean? Right. So, yes. all of that makes sense to me when you think of our the fabric of our reality being soft instead of hard and objective. Right. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Uh, you mentioned this, you know, this need to be able to trust our reality during our waking state, uh, and that is constantly under attack. And you, this is something that you wrote about previously in un- the Universe Solved, and that is um, how you use the example of John Madden's football, uh, and 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 how video games are becoming increasingly real. Uh, and you also talk about technology that will allow, for example, blind people to see with some, I guess, like a neural or optical implant mm-hmm. uh, that you, uh, and how that could be hacked and uh, uh, that person could, wearing this device could be given something, uh, a reality could be programmed that they could see, which is basically what you're talking about writ large now. So right, right. The, the idea that we are, we are now becoming the creators of this simulation here in this reality, uh, at, a, at a certain point, I mean, we'll all be walking around with virtual reality headgear, and I mean, then what is reality? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you think about how far we come and Moore's Law, you know, although Moore's Law is slowing down a little bit, but, you know, the advances that that we get at some point, you know, we have these clunky devices that we use now, like VR goggles and um, haptic gloves and things like that. And it's obvious that we're in a simulation because we feel them. They're heavy or whatever. But, you know, imagine that instead, you, you know, you were snorting up a few nanobots that were, you know, intercepting your visual cortex and your 
auditory cortex or whatever and you know connecting to some network there that's streaming a you know a fantasy into your brain um, now you're going to have no idea that it's going on especially if your memories have been um, uh, suspended which again is a technology that, that is possible so so if you just think about where we where we're at right now, we're heading toward a place where we can't distinguish re, uh, virtual reality from a real reality. So if if we can't distinguish that, then that's just evidence that we shouldn't necessarily trust what we're in right now as being really hard and physical. Exactly. I mean, who's to say that we that that what we're seeing has been hacked? And I, and, and this has kind of become the metaphor for you know people like I just I, I spoke with an author who wrote a book about William William Cooper, the the shortwave radio you know conspiracy theorist who wrote uh, Behold a Pale Horse. You know, this guy was on talking about conspiracies and that before the internet, before Alex Jones, before Art Bell, uh, you know, or, or um, people like my friend John Rappaport who writes, uh, who, who's created this series called Escape from the Matrix. The idea that, yes, we all are, li- this is a simulated reality, but there are, mm-hmm. there are dark forces behind the hack. It's not just some, some random thing. The world mm-hmm. is being pulled over our eyes. How do you how do you write something? I mean, how do you do you meditate on this? Do you walk go for long walks along the Santa Monica Pier and think about this? How do you? I know. I'm, I'm, how do you formulate your ideas? Well, certainly the long walks uh, on the pier would be such a a sensory onslaught that I wouldn't be able to think very deeply. Um, but that, that's that's uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I, I used to meditate more. I I've lost touch with that, and I, it's. Uh, you know, I feel bad about that. I would love to be able to get back into it because I was kind of getting to a point where I was experiencing some interesting things. Like um, the minute I started meditating, I would feel myself go into a different space. That's not the case anymore. I had some out-of-body experiences. I was able to control, you know, feelings of being cold and things like that. So, um, yeah, it definitely is a gateway, I think, to a truer reality because, what it does is it gets rid of all the monkey chatter in your brain that's that you know consciousness conscious a part of your brain and even the subconscious part that's based on your real experience that's stored there maybe as a cache um you know you're, you're getting past that you're you're quieting that down so that you can go deep and now now connect to what's really real that's that's fascinating to me is there a danger that if we think that this is all a simulation, then it's kind of a, you throw your hands in the air and say, well, what does it matter? None of it is real anyway. Um, yeah, I think the, the logic to that argument would be the same as the logic to the argument, you know, here. Um, you know, why do we behave virtuously? Um, it's because we want our experience. We want to, you know, receive the right feedback in our experience, I think. So I'm not sure that it would matter much. I actually think that realizing that you're in a, um, that it's not lights out when you die is actually a good thing because it, it prevents you from being, um, what's the word, you know, competitive, as competitive, like to a fault. You know, we have a set of resources and when we feel like we have to grab as much as we can. That drives a lot of bad behavior. It drives a lot of ugly, you know, human behavior. But when we realize that 
no, there's much more to this than that. And our purpose here is to learn. Then we start treating people better. We start, you know, uh, you know, maybe treating uh, other conscious entities, animals, plants, whatever, better um, than we might otherwise have have done. So I think the benefit of this theory is that it can it can actually evolve your your thinking a little bit. How do people get a copy of, uh, well, it's it's not uh, available yet, but they can put in an advanced order for digital consciousness. How do they do that? Yeah, um, it's on Amazon. So uh, digital consciousness uh, or just Google Jim Elvidge, it'll come up. And uh, I don't think the Kindle version is available yet. I think that's coming out first. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, the hard copy is December. Uh, well, it's a soft copy. It's a, a paperback. comes out um December 14th. So there will be a, a, a digital version as well um, online. And there's a great little blurb on the front cover. If this book doesn't make your head spin, you didn't understand it. Oh, absolutely. That was my, my good friend, Anthony Peake. Uh, he's, he's been an author of, I don't know, probably 12, 13 books exploring the nature of consciousness as well. And it's, it's been more his life's work than mine. Um, so he, yeah, he said he, he thought it was an essential primer into the great paradigm change that awaits us in the next few years. And he was very generous to, uh, to give me a, a nice quote like that. Well, congrats, uh, congrats, Jim. And it's uh, great reconnecting uh, with you. And we'll talk again. Oh, thank you very much, Richard. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'll always enjoy the interview. Great questions and, you know, kind of deep, uh, deep discussions. I love that. Thank you again, my friend. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Bye. Jim Elvich, fascinating guy. All right, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to let you in on what's in store for episode 134 of Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, this is Tony Merkel, host of The Confessionals, a blog talk radio podcast that brings you weekly interviews with eyewitness accounts of strange and unexplained events. From paranormal activity to UFO encounters to Bigfoot sightings, step into The Confessionals as we explore mysterious real-life stories. Check us out on your favorite podcast app or theconfessionalspodcast.com. Many thanks to Conspiracy Unlimited for having me on the air. I'll see you all on The Confessionals. Coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited, The Last Clash of the Titans. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 